Blog Talk Radio. with is a little bit of a discussion about um, Zay Jones. And in particular, we're going to talk about this. um, And it's a little bit of a a serious matter, although it was first reported by TMZ. Uh, Buffalo Bills wide receiver Zay Jones, uh, who's last year's second round pick for the Bills, was involved in a struggle with his brother, Caleb Jones of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, They um, they ended in Zay in handcuffs, essentially. Uh, the, the fight occurred Monday night in downtown Los Angeles in an apartment building there. Zay was actually naked while grap- grappling with his brother and apparently yelling, quote, I'm going to fight for Jesus. Uh, and you can see this disturbing video uh, on TMZ site where they discuss it in a little more detail. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's very, it is a little bit disturbing. So uh, be be aware. Now, Caleb was trying to stop him from uh, jumping out of a 30th floor window, apparently. And and Zay eventually broke free and ran in the direction of Caleb's girlfriend's apartment. They ran out of the apartment, entered a public balcony area, and smashed his foot through a window. And apparently Zay actually tried to squeeze through the hole in the window. But uh, Caleb restrained him until police arrived and arrested him uh, for felony vandalism. Now, he was held in a medical ward uh, of L.A. County Jail and was released from custody Wednesday morning around 4.45 a.m., and he's currently out on bond. It's a little bit unclear what prompted this entire event. Now, the Bills and the NFL are investigating but have not commented further. Uh, and this is uh, – and I report this because of the fact that we think you know, there is a lot of issues here, and we're not sure um, all the, what all the facts are behind how this all occurred, but our thoughts are with Zay Jones – and his family. Uh, hopefully, if this is something to do with uh, a, a, a mental issue, uh, that he has an opportunity to get it resolved. This is a very serious issue um, that um, affects a lot of um, a lot of football players recently, and, and something that we should be taking seriously. So, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, we hope that this is all resolved. We hope that there are no serious issues with uh, with Zay Jones, and he continues to be able to play in the NFL. Uh, but we'll see how that develops. And in, a, uh, in another story of a serious nature, Jonathan Martin, who you might remember um, from a while back, he was the uh, NFL offensive lineman who had accused Richie Incognito and Mike Pouncey 
of bullying him in 2013 when they were teammates in Miami, which resulted in an NFL investigation. The investigation found that Incognito, Pouncey, and John Jerry created a hostile work environment for Martin and others associated with the Dolphins. Now, Martin left the team in the middle of the season, and it has not been going very well for him ever since that time. Martin hasn't played in the NFL since 2015. Weeks after retiring, Martin posted a long message on Facebook explaining that he suffered from depression and had tried to kill himself on several occasions. Um, now he's just uh, 28 years old, but Martin reappeared in the media when he was detained for questioning on February 23rd after a threatening image was posted on Instagram that said, quote, when you're a bully victim and a coward, your options are suicide or revenge. The image showed a shotgun and ammunition and tagged four accounts, including those of former Miami Dolphins teammates Incognito and Pouncey. It also used hashtags for Harvard Westlake, where Martin went to high school in Los Angeles, and the Dolphins. Uh, another person tagged was James Dunleavy. Martin went to Harvard Westlake with James Dunleavy, who was the son of former NBA coach Mike Dunleavy, and went on to play basketball at USC. Now, Harvard Westlake School, which shut down for a day after the Instagram post, filed a workplace violence prevention restraining order against Martin on March 1st, and an arrest warrant was issued when Martin couldn't be found, but Martin surrendered in Van Nuys, California, in a court on Tuesday and pleaded not guilty to four felony counts of making criminal threats and one misdemeanor count of carrying a loaded firearm. Apparently, Martin was in Los Angeles earlier this month in a mental health facility. Now, Martin is due back in court on April 25th for a preliminary hearing. If convicted as charged, he faces up to six years in custody. Again, uh, another serious condition, and this is just all just to raise a little bit of awareness. These are a lot of issues here that we don't know if they're related to just the culture of football or the physicality of football or um, injuries that may occur with football. But it's it's important to note that there's a lot of these things that can, uh, can, can um, be related to the on-field game that we love so much that is a, that is a, a tough thing for them to deal with. And it's a, it's a little bit sad to see that it's uh, occurring that way. Hey, Ryan, is that you? Yes. Sorry about that. Oh, Thanks for uh, shooting no. me. The, the, the direct <laughs> message there saves me. I was, uh, we, we ordered, uh, ordered pizza on a, on a snowy night here and uh, completely forgot, uh, forgot here. So. Well, I'm you're lucky to get your well. pizza on a snowy night. I mean, you're, <laughs> we, we always uh, avoid. The storm just started, so we beat it. Oh, okay. But, but not by much. Oh, yeah. I, we, <laughs> we end up, uh, I can tell you, we end up making a, uh, whatever is in the cupboard surprise for dinner because uh, every time we order on a snowy night like this, and, and I was just going to mention at the beginning of the show, every time we've had this podcast over the last like four weeks has been a nor'easter. So clearly we're doing something wrong. I don't know what we're doing to the northeast here, but uh, every single time we order something, it never gets here. So, so, that, so uh, you know, the fact that you got the pizza and got excited and forgot about the show is totally cool with me. I totally get it. Uh, we just finished talking a little bit about the facts behind Zay Jones. Uh, his incident on Monday night in, in the uh, L.A. apartment building um, and the fact that he was just recently let go on bond and at 445 in the morning and Wednesday morning. Uh, and they're investigating that and also talking about the facts behind Jonathan Martin and the fact that he has turned himself in and a Van Nuys court in California and is due back in April 25th for a preliminary hearing. And that's all based on the threatening message he left on Instagram, um, which looks to be a result of some of the bullying he had uh, he had incurred at not only at the Miami Dolphins, but also at Harvard Westlake High School. So what are your thoughts about both of those incidents, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Zay Jones one, it's just, it's not that, 
outerworldly for me. Um, the, the Zach Martin one is the one that really resonates, and it's, um, you know, I don't want to pretend to know anything about his life, um, but, you know, when we talk about bullying, and I, and I in general support the premise of being nicer to people, um, but his inability to handle um, what he's what he's gone through in the NFL and to, to the point that it's at now, um, to me says that there's a there's a deeper rooted issue there. Um, whether it's some kind of imbalance or, or, or battle with depression, there's there's something more because this is not a high schooler who feels trapped and no way out. Even the high school you know, his high school days, I understand. Um, but but once you're an adult, you know we all have people that are mean in our lives that we don't that we don't like, and you just you just disengage from those people. You know, high school it does feel like you're stuck in this world where, you know, you know, go to a place that you just don't want to go to. You have zero free will and you go there. And if you have to, you know, put up with some of this uh, systematic torture, you know, and bullying on a daily basis, I can understand how that can in that moment, you know, uh, have a, have a scarring effect on somebody. Um, but once you're an adult, that all kind of goes away. And for, for Zach Martin, the whole bully gate thing to, you know, find out years later that he's still kind of in this, uh, this fixation on that whole thing. Um, to me, it says that there might be something uh, going on with him uh, as far as mental health um, and that the bullying probably has been a problem in his life, but it's it's also mm-hmm. the way it affects him, I think, is, is probably a symptom of, of something deeper going on in him. So uh, kind yeah. of a sad story, but, you know, kind of confirms a lot of things I thought after Bullygate. Like, you don't support what happened to him, but, you, you know, if you objectively look at it, you say, okay, there's something else going on here more than just Richie Incognito is really mean. Um, right, and, so, and I, you know, it's, uh, totally I think agree. that brings a resolution on it. Yeah, and I and I think ultimately we just hope that um, whatever uh, Jonathan Martin needs, whatever Zay Jones needs, uh, if it is a mental health issue, uh, they get the help they need in order to kind of continue uh, regular lives, and hopefully uh, uh, everything gets resolved. I'm not exactly sure what the root of the issue was with Zay Jones yet. If it was a mental health issue, we certainly hope they get the help he needs. If it wasn't, then well, I certainly hope that's resolved as well. All right, let's go ahead and put the skids on the serious stuff, and let's turn it all the way around and talk about something a little bit more sort of shocking to me. That's the Colton Jets trade. So let's get along to that. You know, the Jets acquired the number three overall pick of the draft in the trade with the Indianapolis Colts, and the Jets are sending their sixth-round pick, their 37th and their 49th overall selections in this year's draft, and their second-rounder in 2019 to Indianapolis just to move up to number three overall. This puts the Colts in a particularly good situation because not only do they get a six overall pick in the first round, but now have three second round picks. Uh, So that's a pretty significant trade up there. Now with the Browns signing Carlos Hyde, it looks like they'll be pivoting back to taking a quarterback number one overall. And the Giants may go with Saquon Barkley or may go with a quarterback, leaving only potentially two of the top quarterbacks in the draft, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield available at the number three spot and perhaps none available at the number six spot. So that's probably or possibly what the Jets were worried about. And uh, apparently the Jets were even looking to trade up further to one overall, but didn't pull the trigger on that. So what are your thoughts on this big blockbuster trade into the draft Colts and Jets? What do you think about it from the Jets side and from the Colts side? So I think it makes sense for both sides. Um, you know, like you said, reasonably for, for the Jets, they have to move up and, um, you know, the Colts feel like they still have their man. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen the guy play football in 24 months, but, um, you know, presumably they have their guy and they're, they're definitely in a rebuild. They've been a really quiet uh, off season for the Colts and they're kind of more just uh, slowly building um, except for a complete over 
overpay for, for Ebron. Um, but, you know, aside from that, they've had a pretty slow, steady approach to, to the offseason. So this is kind of a value move for them that makes sense. And, um, yep. you know, for me, the only thing is, is the only thing it comes back to for me, and I, I'm pretty exhausted. I've been, I've been fighting with uh, Patriot fans all week. Um, because, you know, after five championships, uh, being objective becomes impossible for them. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that comes back to me for me, when you look at the Mitch Trubisky trade up last year for the Bears and what they gave up, and then, which, you know, for an unknown com- com- uh, commodity, same thing with the Jets this year, and the Patriots got a bleeping second rounder for Jimmy G. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry, I have to be Patriot centric, but I am. Yeah. It still yeah. shows to me just how bad they mismanaged. Uh, handled that asset and I know everyone will say well Jimmy G only played for six quarters yeah uh and when you're trading up for draft for drafting kids particularly in this class um yep. you know you're rolling the dice even more at least Jimmy G's a somewhat known commodity so right. um so yeah so that's that's my thoughts on it for both those teams that makes sense and for me as a Patriot fan it makes me want to throw myself off a tall building <laughs> well I love I can so I, I will agree 100% with that I, I really think if you look at what they gave up in order to get up there to the third round, uh, sorry, to the third pick overall in the first round, and not even having any assurances they're going to get the quarterback they want. I mean, they could feasibly have only their third choice uh, at number three overall, uh, seeing as how the Browns and the Giants may select quarterbacks at one and two overall. And they even wanted to trade more. They wanted to trade more away to get the number one overall. So this is desperation city. I can only imagine what the market would be for Jimmy G at this point in time. But that being said, for the Colts, I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, they got a first rounder, which is only, which is the sixth pick overall. They can, they still have a shot at getting, and I know you hate Saquon Barkley in the first round, but I think that that would really help the Colts. Uh, They obviously need to work on their offensive line as well. There's a lot of things they got to work on. Absolutely true. But you know, if they can get them in the sixth overall pick, I'm starting to think that this is a pretty good value. And they got three second-round picks. And then an extra second-round pick in 2019. That is an amazing value for the Colts. And then I hope the Jets get what they need in the third overall pick. But, boy, that what a blockbuster. That's going to definitely change the landscape into the draft. All right. So that's uh, that's basically the biggest draft move that we can well, see quick. here. But Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I got I to gotta say, because I got to call you. The, the, the last time the Colts uh, – Used a first-round pick on a on a running back was in the trade for Trent Richardson, and uh, that worked out famously well too. So that's why you don't spend <laughs> first-round capital on running back. Stupid. Well, yeah, that's true. They all they kind of got taken, I think, by the uh, by the Browns because the Browns had the, a lot of uh, had eyes on him for half a season and knew that he wasn't going to go anywhere. Is, is my opinion. I never was a big fan of Trent Richardson either, uh, and not only simply because of the Alabama connection. But uh, I, but he never had great hands when it came to catching the ball out of the backfield. They, I, he had other issues. But I agree. I understand. I understand. Colts should should be should be gun shy, and they really should build their offensive line. That's what really, that's what they really need to do right now. But hey, you know, I don't I don't think it'd be terrible if they ended up with Barkley here. Uh, all right. So anyway, so now that our we're, our positions are super clear on how we feel about Barkley in the first round, <laughs> let's go to the guys who actually did move. Uh, in the uh, in the offseason so far, let's talk about Jordy Nelson. Now Jordy Nelson has uh, obviously was released by the Packers. We talked about it last time. He was actually signed by the Oakland Raiders to a two-year, fifteen million dollars tra- uh, contract. The Raiders then cut Michael Crabtree and his seven point five million dollars salary and bonuses for twenty eighteen and gave them to Nelson, who now gets a thirteen million dollar guaranteed amount. So it's thirteen million 
guaranteed out of a $15 million contract. Nelson, who's going to be 33 this season, he looked underwhelming at the Packers last season, though he did play a number of games with Brett Hundley, whom the Packers thought so little of that they replaced him with Deshaun Kaiser this offseason. Now, Nelson will be the starter opposite Amari Cooper, who John Gruden says he's going to be the focal point of his offense. Uh, but what are your thoughts about Jordy Nelson going to the Raiders? First of all, it's going to be weird to see. Uh, his <laughs> no picture, doubt. You know, if, if you've seen the superimposed images of the of the Raider, the the Photoshop photos of the Raiders jersey on him, um, it just looks wrong. Uh, yeah. But that's one. But, uh, you know, uh, on, on the move itself, on a face value, I loved the move. But then I hated it because I was picturing Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, and Jordy Nelson with Derek Carr. And I and I said that could be a top five, a top three offense next year. Uh, right. But then they went and moved on from from Crabtree, and I I wish I had the rest of the guys on this, but it was it was a combination of three. It was Marshawn Lynch, um, I think one of their tight ends, and uh, like a fourth receiver. If they cut those three guys, they would have saved more money than cutting Crabtree by himself. But right. they had to re- they had to they had to keep Marshawn Lynch, you know, so he can come back and be productive in September, and then disappear <laughs> down the stretch, and then fight his own right. teammates to protect his friends on other teams, and and all that those antics. Um, so you know, I the move on itself in of itself, I liked um, what they ended up doing after to not keep Crabtree. I hate so um, you know I think it's Crabtree works in that offense, and you know that uh, there's right. questions if Jordy, you know, if Jordy just had a down year last year or or was Hundley. I think it was Hundley, but you know you don't know if he's okay still because he's still coming off the injury from a year and a half ago. And you don't know if he's going to work in that system and, uh, you know, how much he was a product of Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, there's a lot of risk. I would have, you know, if you're adding him as your third guy, I loved it. But now where it's at, I'm not a fan. Right. And they don't have any depth beyond Jordy Nelson and Amari Cooper now. They basically have, uh, you know, Seth Roberts. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't feel great <laughs> about that. I certainly don't feel great about Griff Whalen. So, you know, that's and, – and the other aspect of this that is a little bit interesting is that God, keep in mind that although Fred Huntley – I'm sorry, he can fake punt? Is that what you said? He can run that, yeah, the epic two-man fake punt uh, that the Colts That's ran right. a couple years ago. That <laughs> was right. the Griff Wollin play. Right. He can't do that. He can't do that. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Uh, and then the, uh, and of course, you know, you know, we all blame Brent Hundley, but remember Devontae Adams actually was pretty good with Brent Hundley, so you know, who knows if that was Nelson or not. Um, so I agree with you. I do. I did like the move, and then I wasn't so thrilled. And talking about Marshawn Lynch, he's the other guy I want to talk about. He took a $500,000 pay cut from the Raiders, uh, before getting his $1 million roster bonus, which was due on Saturday. But it really wasn't a true pay cut because Lynch was previously guaranteed no money on the deal, but now is apparently guaranteed $4.5 million under the restructure and has a base value of $5.5 million for 2018. So although he's taking uh, $500,000 less, quote-unquote, he is now guaranteed $4.5 million, where he was guaranteed zero before. He is likely to remain a starter with that kind of money, I would assume, with the newly acquired Doug Martin in backup. What are your thoughts? Well, I kind of already know what your thoughts are, but what are your thoughts on Marshawn Lynch and the Raiders? Yeah, I just I just think it's dumb. You know, I look at it, and I love I love Marshawn, uh, Marshawn Lynch. I was, I was a Marshawn Lynch fan when he was in Buffalo. Well before he became the you know a hit once the Legion of Boom was a was a legitimate um, you know sizzling story in the NFL, so people started paying attention yep. to him in Seattle. Um, you know if if you were paying attention to him back uh, before he stopped doing interviews, he was one of the most entertaining guys in football. The the cart at Cal, uh, the go do yourself a favor and go watch the thought you was Charlie video. 
um, from his early days in Seattle. Like he was one mm-hmm. of my favorite NFL players. Yep. But once you retire and you have a foot out the door, you know, you're, you're just not there mentally. And you saw that last year. Like he's always been a little bit of a punk, um, you know, the, the, the grabbing of his, uh, his crotchal region as he dives into the end zone. He's always done <laughs> stuff like that. And then, yeah. you know, just kind of who he is, but um, you know, the stuff last year with, again, the Marcus Peters incident against Kansas City, where he's literally taking Peters yep. side over his own teammates. Um, yep. So you have situations like that, and the, the head banging on the sideline where he's just like, and I know he's just having fun, but like, it just seems like he just was just there to like hang out because he lives in Oakland. Now I'll come back. And if, um, it's actually interesting. He did an episode of Bear Grylls, Man vs. the Man vs. Wild or whatever, okay. about a year ago, right after he retired. Uh, Bear Grylls did like a whole season of having celebrities and athletes on there with him. And Marshawn was saying like, he's like, yeah, you know, I had fun playing and it's a good game and I made my career off it, but I'm not going to miss it at all. It's really not that big of a deal to me. And I think he does have that kind of attitude about it. So he came back to yeah. something that he didn't really love in the first place. And so it's just like, how invest, how vested is he? And, and at the end of the day, for me, you don't pay a running back big money. And it just feels like it feels like the Raiders do this a lot, and it feels like, you know, I thought they were going to good trajectory, making good, hard, smart, smart football choices a couple years ago. And now it's, let's just throw John Gruden out there because he's a face and a name. Let's throw Marshawn Lynch out there because he's from Oakland, and he's a face and a name, and he's won a Super Bowl. And it just starts to feel like they're just trying to sell seats and, and pump up the move yeah. to Vegas more than they're actually trying to make good, hard football decisions. So um, I hate the move, and I just – I just think I think it's time for Marshawn to ride off in the sunset. But as long as they're in Oakland and he can just take the train home after the game, he doesn't care. <laughs> He's going to stay, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a smart move on his part to take this deal the way they restructured it. I guess the way they have it restructured also helps them on the on the, on the cap. So maybe that's why they did it as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense. I, I mean, it, I'm not really sure what they're, what they're trying to accomplish there. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all shapes up in Oakland and, uh, you know, more power to him. He got what he wanted. All right, this next guy, I know you're going to have something to say about. It's Deion Lewis, obviously, coming off the Patriots. Now joining the Titans, he's agreed to terms for the Titans on a four-year contract worth $19.8 million and $8.25 million guaranteed. The Titans previously released DeMarco Murray and now add Lewis, a pair of Derrick Henry in the backfield. Lewis was shown to be good between the tackles, uh, running as well as pass-catching ability in New England, but it'll be interesting to see how he splits carries with Henry, who looked like he was on his way to bell cow status. So what do you think about the Titans acquiring Deion Lewis? I think it's a good move for the Titans. I actually really like the offseason the Titans have had so far. Um, but I do have I do have something to get off my chest with Deion Lewis. Oh, okay. Who the hell are you? <laughs> this man. I knew this was coming. <laughs> this man in his press conference, no one ever believed in me. He had half a good season in 2015. The Pats handed him a two-year extension. They didn't believe in you, Deion? This is the first team to believe in you. You were basically out of the league, and the Patriots signed you and then handed you a two-year contract extension when you'd played six months with them, and then you blew out your knee predictably because you always get hurt. And I love this guy, and I think he's a great player, and I don't begrudge him going to get his money. But it's kind of turned into the Isaiah Thomas thing with the Celtics and this chip on his shoulder that he's self-manufacturing and going over the top with, and it's getting a little irritating. Um, This idea, I think he is frustrated about not getting re-signed. Antoine Smith, right. J.R. Redman, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, Danny Woodhead, Deion Lewis. Who cares who's next? Kevin Falk. Like, the Patriots don't, don't value the running back position smartly because it's a dumb thing to overpay for. So if you want a big payday, go somewhere else. So shut your mouth about it because this, this idea that he wasn't respected or beloved here, you know, he was, he, was, he was the feature back every time he was healthy. 
anytime Deion Lewis was healthy, he was the number one guy, including this year. And, you know, this this idea that he has, that it is a self-manufactured doubt from all of us. Like, before he got to New England, absolutely. He was a star here. Everyone remembers that touchdown in Dallas. When all of a sudden everyone was when when that when that when they when he ducked under like four guys and got to the end zone, everyone said, "Wow, that kid's a playmaker," and and he is, and he deserves to get paid. But he's gonna sit here and just keep yapping. I'm done with him. See ya. <laughs> well, you know, and uh, and I I don't totally disagree in the Patriots situation. The way they've handled the running back has been very was has been very smart and has been they haven't overpaid for any of them. Uh, and Deion Lewis is a long line of uh, Patriots running backs who moved on and may not be successful where he goes, but. I do like the fit in, uh, in Tennessee as well. I mean, I think Derrick Henry showed some flash last year, but it's unclear if he could handle, uh, if he's a guy who's going to handle every down. And also, Deion Lewis is a better pass catcher. Uh, and I don't think he should be uh, relegated to that, but I think that they were a much better team with him on it. So, uh, at least from the Titans' side, I think it's great. Actually, from the Patriots' side, great as well, because it opens up more time for other running backs that you may want to pick up or play. So uh, with that said, let's go to another guy who I'm sure you have an opinion on, and that's Richard Sherman, who uh, obviously released by the Seahawks, went to the division rival 49ers on a three-year, $39 million deal. So the kicker is that just $3 million in the signing bonus is guaranteed. There is no other guaranteed money in this deal. And, you know, the reason is because Sherman was representing himself. So it's no wonder that he got such a crummy crummy contract. 49ers had, uh, had no... Um, had had not had no issue with being able to cut him now, uh, and he will have no recourse uh, if he if they decide to do that before the season. So they really have uh, no no ties to him after giving him the signing bonus. So good job, uh, Sherman, for not setting anything up for yourself. Current belief is that Sherman will recover smoothly from his Achilles surgery, but there's no guarantee that'll be the case. Also, Sherman agreed to turn a six million six million dollars of his total potential earnings into a per game roster bonus, paid only if Sherman is active on a game day roster so they could inactivate him and save money as well. So they really gave all the, everything uh, to the team uh, made a very team friendly deal. Bottom line is Sherman probably should have gotten himself an agent, but either way, what do you think about Richard Sherman and the 49ers? Yeah. I mean, I like what the 49ers are doing. Um, I think John Lynch has had a home run of 15 months here uh, in that role over there. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a good fit. I think that defense is still quite a few pieces away, um, but they'll have, a, they'll have plenty of draft picks this year to uh, to try to make that happen. And they got the guy uh, behind the helm on offense, and so they just got to fill in around that, and now you kind of have a cornerstone on both sides of the ball. So I like it for the 49ers. Um, I don't think it's a secret. I'm certainly not in the closet about it. Um, you know, the Seahawks were my second favorite team over the last five years. Uh, I love the Legion of Boom. It's, uh, it's going to be really hard to watch him in a different uniform for me personally. And I have no best mm-hmm. interest in Seattle other than, you know, while a lot of people hated their verbose and their, their mentality – I love that, you know, Richard Sherman yapped and Earl Thomas is quietly the best safety in football. Then you had Cam Chancellor and Brandon Browner taking people's heads off over there. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that That's a secondary I'll be telling my, you know, my grandkids about 30 years from now, you know, like the people yep. talk about the, the purple people eaters. So it's a sad day mm-hmm. to see that end, but um, I'm happy for him. I think he's betting on himself and obviously he lost negotiation, but I think he's betting on himself. And I think this, uh, this rumored, demise of Richard Sherman is is far overblown. I think he'll be a top end corner this year if he's healthy. Yeah, great move by the 49ers. Totally agree by that about that. Let's talk about two guys who are still on the on the road here and they have not found a team yet. Alan Hearns, the Jaguars released Alan Hearns this week saving themselves 7 million dollars against the cap. 
Hearns wasted no time moving on. He reported on a radio interview that he that around 10 teams had already contacted him, including the Bears, Bills, Panthers, Saints, Raiders, Texans, and Jets. He's set to visit the Cowboys today uh, on Wednesday, so he's doing that now. And he is going to go visit the Jets after the snowstorm lets up. What are your thoughts on Alan Hearns and his value? Yeah, I like Hearns. Um, if you can get him on a low contract, I think he's a little overrated. Uh at times, because I think he has big games where he he goes off, and that gives people, especially fantasy football uh, fans, you know, a perception of that he's this high end guy, but he's also wildly inconsistent. So, right, um, you know, I think with his size, he could be a good red zone target for a team, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't break the bank on him if you can get him for like the wide receiver market, stupid right now. But if you can get him for like two years, ten million, something like that, you know, five five average value, I would do that. Yeah, the Jets could usually use some help, too. So I think that that might be a good place for him to end up. Last guy, real quick, and Dominic and Sue. Dolphins released Sue, saving at least $3.9 million against the cap and $17 million in salary. Sue went on to visit the Titans, Saints, and Rams. He was in line to visit the, visit the Raiders next, but he stayed in L.A. and canceled his visit to the Rams. He was uh, pro football focus's number two run-stopping defensive tackle last year. Had a good year with the Dolphins, but they thought he was overpaid. Your thoughts on Sue? And right now it looks like he might want to go to the Rams. Yeah, first of all, you don't overpay for a guy who stops the run. Um, it's about as useless <laughs> as the guy who runs the ball uh, and paying oh, him boy. that much money. <laughs> um, but uh, but overall with Sue, you know, I'll, I'll sum it up with this. Um, the quote he was, uh, and I'll probably butcher a part of it, but the quote basically going in free agency was, I'm going to go to the highest bidder regardless of fit or, or, uh, or chances to win. Yep, that's all I need to know on two. I'm out. Have fun. Okay, someone, right. someone can pay him. He's he's basically Albert Hainsworth 2.0 with a you know a little bit longer career. So I, wow. I have no okay. use for a guy like him. All right, all right. Well, we'll see what happens. Looks like he's looking at the Rams. We'll find out next week how he where he ends up uh, in the uh, free agency. So that's all the time we got. Give us your Twitter and your Instagram. People can follow you. Yep, Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time, or follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Whitfield. And Ian, check out my boys, DraftingSleepers.com. All right, and you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. We'll be back again next week, talk about more free agency and maybe a little bit of fantasy football next week. Until next time, enjoy your NFL free agency and stay safe in the Northeast, or hopefully the last of the year for us. Yeah, we'll another one next week. I'll see you for the next snowstorm. Oh, okay. Well, great. Yes, well, we'll bring you the next snowstorm of our next podcast. <laughs>